Lord, we're so grateful that we can not only remember you before your table. We remember a love that will never let us go. We remember how you have loved us to the uttermost. So we bless you, Lord. And Lord, besides that, we can open your word in your presence in this second hour. So Lord, we want to ask you very simply, would you speak to our hearts? Only, only you know the word from you that we, each one of us has to hear. So now we turn to you and pray, would you speak, Lord? Would you give each one of us a listening heart? Even as we sang, Lord, our desire is that in this hour, and even in our lives, you will have your own way. So that we may say, even as we sang, Christ, only always, living in me. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you turn to me with me to Matthew chapter 16? We want to read this very familiar passage, I should say. That happens in Caesarea Philippi. We're going to start from verse 15. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. He, uh, that's our Lord Jesus, said to them, the disciples, But who, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. 十五节，耶稣说：“你们说我是谁？”西门彼得回答说：“你是基督，是永生神的儿子。”耶稣对他说：“西门把约拿，你是有福的，因为这不是属血肉的，只是你的，乃是我在天上的父指示的。我还告
人若赚得全世界，赔上自己的生命，有什么益处呢？人还能拿什么换生命呢？人子要在他父的荣耀里，同着众圣众使者降临。那时，他要照个人的行为报应个人。And if you would turn to First Corinthians chapter three, 我们再翻到哥林多前书第三章。We'll read starting from verse ten. 从第十节开始读。According to the grace of God. Which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 第十节，我照神所给我的恩，好像一个聪明的工头，立好了根基，有别人在上面建造。只是个人要谨慎怎样在上面建造，因为那已经立好的根基就是耶稣基督。此外，没有人能立别的根基。Twelve. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. 十二节，若有人用金银宝石、草木合接，在这根基上建造，个人的工程必然显露，因为那日子要将它表明出来，有火发现，这火要试验个人的工程怎样。The second half of verse thirteen, and fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. 这火要试验个人的工程怎样，人在那根基上所建造的工程若存得住，他就要得赏赐。Fifteen, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Don't you know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 人的工程若被烧了，他就要受亏损。自己却要得救，虽然得救乃像从火里经过的一样，岂不知你们是神的殿，神的灵住在你们里头吗 ？Finally, we would like to read what what has been our theme verse for the past many many months. 最后，我们来读我们过去过去几个月的主题经文。John chapter ten verse ten. 约翰福音十章十节。The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came. That they may have life, and have it abundantly. 盗贼来无非要偷窃、杀害、毁坏。我来了是要叫羊得生命，并且得得更丰盛。So in our the few last Lord's days, our brother Dana shared with us. 过去的几个主日，我们的 Dana 弟兄与我们分享。And he continued to share on the theme verse of John 10:10. 他继续在我们这个约翰福音十章十节的主题经文上分享。But as I'm sure that all of you that were here realized, he emphasized a specific aspect of that verse. 如果我们在座的就知道，他强调一个重点。Which is the conflict, the spiritual battle that is involved in this matter of abundant life. 就是这个丰盛的生命所指出的有一个属灵的冲突。Now our theme verse, I think it makes it very, very clear. Our Lord declares that He came to give, that they may have life and have it abundantly. 我们主耶稣来是要给他们生命，并且得得更丰盛。But at the same time, He begins that verse saying that the thief, and that is the enemy, Satan, He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 但我们也注意到第十节一开始说盗贼来，这个盗贼就是仇敌，他是要偷窃、杀害、毁坏。Now in a way, if you look it carefully, that's exactly the opposite of abundant life. To kill is to quench, to extinguish life. 所以这就是那个丰盛生命的对立面，就是偷窃、杀害、毁坏。And there we realize that there is a battle in this matter. 所以因此我们就明白这中间有一个征战。Our Lord Himself is life. And he comes that we may experience him as abundant life. He comes to let us experience this abundant life. But there is someone invested to prevent that from happening. But there is someone invested to prevent that from happening. 
well, I, I felt led to continue in that direction of that conflict over life. And what is in my heart is to do it mainly on, uh, on the, from the angle of that familiar story in Caesarea Philippi. Sometimes that is called Peter's confession. Which is not a bad way to sum up what is happening. But if you have been following the Lord for some time and are familiar with, with your Bible, which I hope you are, you, and you, if you're not, that's fine as well. You must know that this passage is, re- is very foundational. There are many, many, many riches in this wonderful passage in Matthew 16, which we read a portion of it. I would like to concentrate on that same angle that our brother has been sharing. Is this matter of conflict over life? as we see in the story of Caesarea Philippi. Now, as we know, that whole passage is based, centered on a statement from the Apostle Peter. It's a statement about the person of our Lord Jesus. And that statement it's not just Peter's own idea. It's a revelation that is given to him. Everything that follows in that story proceeds or is based on that statement about the person of Christ. In that statement, actually, he says two things about the Lord Jesus. You are, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I want to concentrate on the first part of the statement. You are the Christ. Because this has to do with this matter of life, the source, the nature of His life, and the source of your life and my life. As we know, Christ, that declaration, that simply means, well, if you translate it literally, it means you're Messiah. That's the Hebrew word. But if you translate it to English, what is Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in Greek, how do you translate that word in English? We sometimes think that it's just a title that the Lord has. No, it's more than that. That word means anointed. So by that revelation given to Peter, he knew he is the Messiah. He is the one promised in the Old Testament. That's right. But at the same time, is a revelation of the nature of his person, of the nature of his life. You are the anointed one, the man of the spirit. Anointing with oil, oil in scripture, invariably speaks of the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know what is the great characteristic of our Lord Jesus, of that man, Jesus Christ, he is the man of the Spirit, the anointed one. Everything in his life is in connection with the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Of course, we are focusing on the humanity of our Lord Jesus. Of course, we know He is the second person. And that's not a hierarchy, by the way. It's just a matter of an order. He is a person of the Godhead. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God, the Son. But if you consider his human life, everything is in connection with the person of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of his ministry, he is anointed for that ministry, his baptism, do you remember? By the Holy Spirit. And the description we have is most instructive. You remember that in his baptism, the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. He comes upon the person of Christ and he remains on him. Oh, he is the anointed, the man of the spirit. Now, it is we, we read in the book of Hebrews that it is by the spirit that Christ offers himself as a perfect sacrifice for us. He was raised by the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, there is another anointing upon him. Our Lord sitting on the throne as the head of a new humanity, he is anointed, and that oil was poured upon the head, and it ran down through the beard and went all the way to the edges of the garments. Head and body anointed on the day of Pentecost. But I want you just to keep that in mind. Everything in the life of our Lord Jesus connected with the person of the Holy Spirit. It simply means he lived a heavenly spiritual life on this earth. Now, as you know, when you look at man's creation in the beginning, originally made, man was made according to the image of God. And one way to look at that is simply this. Man is a trinity in a way. Just like God is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Man was made with these three fundamental components, if you will. Spirit, soul, and body. And to put it very simply, when you think on man's spirit, it simply means that he was made with a capacity for God. That's the main difference between humankind and any other creature on this earth. He was given a spirit, and with that spirit there comes a capacity for fellowship with God. As you remember, our Lord Jesus said in, in the Gospel of John, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Only spirit can worship a spiritual being. God is spirit. So you need a spirit to worship him. That's a correspondence. 
Our emotions are never enough to worship the Lord. Our mind is not enough to worship the Lord. And by the way, that, that is your soul, right? That is your mind, your, your volition, your emotions. What gave man a capacity for God is that the Lord put in him a spirit, a human spirit. That corresponds to God. Unfortunately, we know that when man fell, when he sinned, his spirit died that day. You remember the story. I'm not going to go through it. But from that day on, not only Adam lost the capacity for God, but the whole human race lost its capacity to commune with God. But here you have a different man, Christ. The anointed, the man of the Spirit. A man with a full capacity for God. A man that lived constantly under an unclouded sky. Now, brothers and sisters, that's the revelation that Peter received. You are the Christ. I think we're very familiar with that. But then do you, do you notice this? That right after that revelation, our Lord Jesus kind of expands that revelation. Because our Lord says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, we are very familiar. We, perhaps we immediately think, well, it is a revelation about the church, and that's absolutely true. The Lord will build His church. But there is something else in that wondrous declaration of the Lord Jesus. And sometimes I wonder if we have given sufficient consideration to that declaration. The Lord says, You are Peter, and upon this rock of his own person, Christ. You are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. In a way, there is a play of words there going on. Because in Greek, the, the, the name Peter means a stone, as probably you know. It's as if our Lord is saying, Peter, I am the rock, the massive foundation. But you are a stone that I'm going to build with other living stones upon myself. Now, if you just consider that fragment, there is a tremendous revelation right there. Because what we can, what we imply from this is that rock the massive rock of Christ and that small stone Peter, they're different in scale, for sure, in importance, but they share the same nature and the same life. There is a verse in the book of Isaiah that I, I feel that can really help us to understand this point. Isaiah 51 verse 1. It says, 
Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. You see, the Lord here is, is making this declaration. You, talking to His people, you are hewn, you are extracted from a quarry, from a massive rock. So that little stone extracted, quarried from the rock, is of the same nature. Oh, brothers and sisters, do you see? It? Can you put the two things together? Peter says, You are the Christ, the man of the Spirit. And the Lord immediately says, I also say to you, You are Peter. And upon this rock, you are like me, Peter. The same life is being given to you. Brothers and sisters, when we are born again, when we believe in our Lord Jesus, and in that moment that we are born from above, that very life of Christ, the Christ, the anointed, is communicated to you and to me. It's no wonder that speaking about being born again, when the Lord is talking to Nicodemus, do you remember how he, he addresses him? He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, that's verse 5 in, in chapter 3 of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. New birth is a matter of a spiritual birth. The same nature of Christ, the anointed, the man, the man of the Spirit, imparted to you and to me by grace. That's the life aspect of this story. But then immediately after saying these things, our Lord adds, and the gates of hate, of Hades, or hell, in other translations, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And here you have it. There is on the one hand life. The life of Christ. The life of Christ given to us. And the Lord taking all those living stones and building his church upon himself. Immediately you have and the gates of Hades will not prevail against. Life and conflict. You could say it's a conflict over the life given to us and the purpose of the Lord that has to do with that life. Brothers and sisters, the enemy will oppose our Lord's purpose in building his church. That's the declaration our Lord is making here. But the question is, how exactly does he do that? Well, if we continue to read the whole story in Caesarea Philippi, the, the, what follows, in a way, exposes the enemy's tactics. We could say that his greatest tactic in preventing or trying to prevent the building of the church is to cause us to live by our old natural life. Remember, the Lord says to Peter, 
You are a rock, just like me. You are a stone of the same nature of the rock. 我们记得主刚刚说过，你是彼得，你是那石头，我们是有这个同一的性质。But the enemy will try his best to cause us to live not by that new life and constitution, but by the old one, and that's what you see in the story of Peter here. 但是仇敌不让我们活在那个新的生命当中，而是让我们活在我们老的生命当中，就像我们马上要看到的故事。Now I believe we are we are fairly familiar with the story again. 我想我们也还是很熟悉这段的故事。I just want to make a point or two on this. 我只是要指出一两点。Because the the reaction that Peter has when the Lord reveals a third thing now, right? He has revealed. There is a revelation of his person, a revelation that he's going to build a church. Now he reveals that he's going to the cross for the first time. We see that the Lord has revealed. First, about his actions, he revealed about how to build a church. Then the third thing is that he will suffer. And when the Lord says that, Peter reacts immediately. Then when the Lord says that, Peter reacts immediately. And right there, in Peter's reaction to that declaration of the Lord, we have a tremendous instruction. 当这里彼得的回应，我们就看到 ，There is instruction about what is the nature of this battle that the enemy is trying to prevent the Lord's work, the Lord's purpose. How exactly is he going to operate? In that story, you have an answer. 就是我们看到仇敌具体的如何来阻挡主要做的事。So think about it, because this is to me is always every time I read the passage after so many years, I'm still amazed. 是在我每次这许多年间读这一段的经文，都还是让我惊奇。Because on the one hand, you have Peter receiving the highest revelation about the person of Christ. 因为一面我们看到彼得得着那极高的启示，就是讲到主耶稣的所示。The Lord expands that revelation. 然后主也扩大了这个启示。The Lord says, and Peter, you are a stone. I'm the rock. You see the correspondence. I said, you have my life in you, Peter. 主马上说，彼得，你也是石头，你有我的生命在里面。And it's five minutes later. That's that's poetic license. But let's say five minutes later, the Lord says, "And get behind me, Satan," says to Peter. 但是五分钟之后，主却要说，撒旦退我后边去吧。Why is the Lord being so severe with Peter? 主为什么对彼得如此的严厉呢 ？And remember, the Lord also already had told Peter that the gates of hate of Hades, which Satan is kind of controlling that in a way, they will not overpower it. 并且主也才刚刚说，阴间的门不能胜过他，就是撒旦的所在。So it's just as if when the Lord addresses Peter in such severe way, it reminds you this is the conflict that is going on. 但是主却在这里如此严厉的对彼得说这样的话，就是表明这个冲突就是在这里。This is going to be the tactic that the enemy is going to try to use to prevent the work of the Lord. 因为这就是仇敌要来阻挡神工作的办法。Now, if we are going to understand why is the Lord being so severe with Peter? 所以我们来思想为什么主对彼得如此的严厉。Because the Lord is not just saying, "Well, you're being influenced, influenced by Satan. You're just being kind of, you know, having a bad day." He says, "Get behind me, Satan." It is as if he's calling Peter Satan. 因为主不是仅仅说，哦，彼得，你被这个撒旦诱惑或者如何，而是直接的说，撒旦。退我后边去吧，好像在说彼得，你就是撒旦一样。I think it helps us to understand why this is so severe. We have to go again to the Garden of, of Eden. 如果要要帮助我们理解为什么主如此严厉的说，我们可能要回到伊甸园的故事。Because on the fall of man, 因为在人堕落的那个故事里面 ，What we see happening is the serpent comes and he uses his tricks, his lies, and he's trying to do something. 那里我们看到那条那个蛇来用谎言来要来做一些事。If you look at what he's trying to do at the end of the day, of course he's causing man to act independently from God. 然后我们知道那个蛇，他要引诱人从神那里独立出来。He's trying to lead man to acting disobedient to God, of course. 他要使人不顺服神。But more than that, he's trying to make man self-centered. 但是更重要的，那个蛇乃是要使人以自我为中心。He's trying to cause self, the soul of man, to become the center of his being. 他要使人的那个己出来，让人以自己的这个魂来做中心。And of course, he succeeded in that in the fall of man. 
那我们也知道，在人的堕落里面，那个蛇它成功了。Now, when you read Isaiah chapter 14，当我们读以赛亚书十四章，which describes the fall of Lucifer，在那里讲到路西佛的堕落，and that's how Satan his designation before the fall。那那个路西佛就是撒旦他堕落之前的名称。When you read that this that chapter, one thing strikes you. Satan had an idea. He said, or Lucifer, he wanted to be like the Most Now there is one word there that you cannot miss if you read that passage. The description is I. I will get to the mountain of God. That's Lucifer speaking. 在那里你要看到那个路西佛，他不断的说：“我、我、我，我要升到高山之上。”I will be like the Most High。我要与至高者同等。I、I、I，if I'm not mistaken，five times I self in the center。如果你数的话，那里讲到提到五次的我。And the temptation to Eve is: if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. I being exalted. 那同样，对于夏娃那个诱惑，就是如果你吃了这个果子，你就要像神一样。And at the end of the day, that poison of the nature of Satan was injected in humanity in the fall.那如此，这个蛇的这个毒就好像进到了全人类当里面。We are all born in this world from our parents with that poison running in our veins.是在我们从我们父母所生出来的时候，我们就带着这个毒。self-centered alienated from God dead in our sins and trespasses now when our Lord says I'm going to the cross of course Peter couldn't understand it and we have to observe this when he says Lord that will never happen to you there is a lot of good intentions in that declaration. This is not the declaration of an evil person trying to say, okay, let me hatch an evil plan here. <laughs> that's not what Peter is doing. He loves his master. He wants the best in his mind, the best that he can for his master, our Lord Jesus. that's why when for the first time our Lord says, I'm going to die on the cross, Peter says, no Lord, that can never happen to you. You can never doubt that there there is a lot of good intentions before that declaration of Peter.所以当这里主耶稣第一次讲到他要上耶路撒冷的时候，彼得说：“你主啊，万不可如此，实在他是好意才如此说。” but nevertheless, our Lord still says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because it can be some, a good idea, it can be full of good intentions, but it's still proceeding from self-life, independently from the Lord. You see now what is the conflict that is going on? The Lord says the gates of hate is will not overpower. That's a conflict. But you see what's the nature of it? I, I think it would be helpful for us to read one verse in John. Chapter 14. When, when the Lord is speaking about, him, about himself, it's incidental remark. But this incidental remark helps us to understand the, the nature of the human life of Christ, the anointed, the man of the Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 30, our Lord says, and this, of course, is in the upper room. He says, I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world, that's Satan, is coming, and he has nothing in me. 十四章三十节, Do you see what the Lord is saying? 
He's the one that can say, Satan has absolutely nothing in me. My nature is completely free, devoid from that poison of, of self-centered life. That is the Christ. That is the man of the Spirit. That is the life that was given to you and to me when we were born again. But you see, here that's the conflict. That even if you are a living stone, there is still the risk for us, like Peter, to act on the basis of that old life. No, brothers and sisters, I, I don't think it can be emphasized enough. That the central point here in this conflict is not about if we are going to be doing something good or bad. That is not the point of the conflict. The crux, the central point of this conflict is what is the source of our life. Are we living by Christ's life, that is our new constitution, by the living stone, or are we living by self-life? If it proceeds from self, even the best intentions, they can never be accepted. Only that which originates from Christ is acceptable. So brothers and sisters, this is the nature of the conflict over life. A new life was given to us. Is the life of our Lord Jesus, is the life of Christ, the anointed. Is a spiritual life. Is a life capable of communion with God who is spirit. But the question is, are we going to live by that life? You see, there is a difference. The life may be given to us, and we may, may still live like Peter, live by gravitate towards the old life. Well, thank the Lord, because the Lord gives us a remedy. The Lord knows very well our condition. Even as in the case of Peter. He knows that even though he gave us his new life, that the old self, uh, it doesn't die so easily. And because of that, he gives us a wonderful antidote, a wonderful remedy. So if you go back to the story, you go to verse 24. I'm always arrested by this, the first word in verse 24. Which in my translation is, Then Jesus said to, the, to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Then, how can we be delivered from that poison, from hell, that was injected in our, na- in our human nature in the fall? What's, what's the remedy? The cross is our deliverance. From that old self life, the old constitution. That is 
The cross, let me put it this way, it makes room in your heart for Christ to dwell in it. I hope this doesn't surprise you. Because here is the deal. In the moment you believed in the Lord Jesus, He came in your, to your heart. And to anyone that believes, there is no question about it. But you know, there is a difference between someone being in your heart and someone dwelling in your heart. It's the same difference as if, if you invite me to your home to spend a few days with you, I'll be a, a guest in your home. And you know there is a difference between a guest and an owner. If I'm a guest, I better respect what you want to do in your home because it's your home. But you know, when the Lord Jesus first comes, when we believe in Him, He comes in us, but in a way, He's, I, I, I have to be careful here, but in a way, He's like a guest. Now listen to what, how, how, why do we know this? Listen to what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 3. We know these verses fairly well, but I want to emphasize one phrase here. This is the prayer that Paul is making in behalf of those Ephesian believers, and in behalf of you and me. In Ephesians 6, 3.16, he prays, that he, that's, that's the Father, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. But we have said, aren't these believers? Of course they are, they are believers. Isn't Christ inside every believer? Absolutely. But Paul's prayer here is that that will go a step further. It's not just Christ being in you, but Christ dwelling as, as the owner, as the Lord, as the one that has his final word in your life. Brothers and sisters, that's what the cross makes possible in our lives. The cross delivers us from the tyranny of self and soul life. And as you're delivered, now Christ can not only be in you, but dwell as owner, as Lord. The cross is the gateway for life in the Spirit. Now, I just want to point out one, one of the things that the Lord says in verse 25, in going back to Matthew chapter 16. Our Lord, right after saying, if anyone wishes to come after, come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, he adds, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now there is something that we have to underline in this verse 25. The word that in my translation is life, in Greek is sike. 
And that literally means soul life. You know, it's from where we get the word psychology. That's the word. Psyche. Whoever wishes to save his psyche, his soul, will lose it. And whoever loses his psyche, for my sake, will find it. Brothers and sisters, that is our greatest problem. We will do anything to preserve our soul. We will do anything to have it our way. The hardest thing ever is to let go something that we really, really want. And you realize that this is addressing what Peter just went, went, just went through. It's as if the Lord is saying, Peter, you have a mentality, and in your mind, even if it's good intention, you cannot understand that I'm going to die. You have to let it go. You have to lose your soul for my sake. Let go your men, your old mentality. Let go your old will. Even when it's full of the best intentions, you have to let it go. Now what happens when you let go your soul? We usually say, oh, that's the end. I'm going to be the most miserable person on earth. Oh no, the Lord says, he who loses it, he'll find it. You find your true soul in resurrection life. You find your soul under a new management. It's no longer self-management. That is our problem. You find it under Christ's management. And you know what is that? That is life and life abundant. He who loses his soul for my sake will find it. Now think about Peter's experience and you see that uh, demonstrated in the most wonderful way. Because before Calvary and Pentecost, Peter is the most zealous, the most devoted disciple of the Lord Jesus. There is no question about it. But he's still in control. He's still the one saying when the Lord says you're going to deny me. Never Lord. And he means it. Make no mistake. He means that he's being super sincere. But everything is defeat after defeat. What do you see in the book of Acts? You see a man that finally let go of himself. Oh, and instead you see that glorious life of Christ through Peter. And wow, what a, what a, it's like, is this Peter? Yes, it's Peter. And you see, his soul is still there because you never lose your soul in the sense that your soul is destroyed. No, that is never the Lord's purpose. Your soul is the seat of the personality that God created you in that way that you are. But when the cross does a work in our lives, brothers and sisters, your soul life 
comes under the management of Christ Jesus as the Lord. The life of Messiah, of the anointed that was given to you, will take over. And he will be expressed through your soul. A soul that is given back to you in resurrection life. When you read Acts, don't you see that it's still Peter, the same energetic, the same almost impulsive person? He's still there, but he's under the control of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is the great conflict over this life that was given to you and to me. Are we going to let go of the old one so that the new one may take over, may have ascendancy? Now do you realize that the consequences of this conflict are enormous? It concerns the building up of the church. You see, it's no accident that the Lord said, I will build my church, and five minutes later Peter is going over all that mess, right? And doing his own thing. Don't you think that the Lord sovereignly arranged the whole thing? And that there is a lesson for each one of us. That he will only build his church on the basis of his own life and you never on the basis of our old self. Another consequence of this conflict is reward. Why does this matter so much, so crucial, critical for you and for me? Because did you notice how the, that passage ends? In verse 27, our Lord says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father, and with His angels, and will then repay each man according to his deeds. Brothers and sisters, the repaying here has nothing to do with the matter of going to, to heaven or to hell. No, this is spoken to disciples. These words are spoken to those that already believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior, you could say. And the heaven is, or eternal life is guaranteed. So then why does the Lord say that when He comes back, He will repay every man according to His deeds? Oh, because today as disciples, we have a choice to make every single day. Am I going to live by the life of Messiah, of Christ, of the anointed that was given to me? Or am I going to live by the old self-life? Those are the deeds that are in view by the context here. Brothers and sisters, when we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow the Lord, oh, what an encouragement. There is a reward for us. In a, in, a, in a way we can say there is a double reward. Because when you do that, you're going to truly be happy down here. Not just one day in, in the kingdom. You're going to be happy today. Because you're going to experience Christ dwelling in you. 
并且我要说这也是一个双重的奖赏，因为这个奖赏不只是不只是在那一天主回来，在他荣耀的国度里，就是在我们今天，因着我们顺服这个世主的生命，我们也才能够得，我们能够得着呢他的喜乐。But I when you read 1 Corinthians 3, the whole chapter, you see that the chapter begins with a contrast between two lives. Paul is saying that the spiritual man, that's the end of chapter 2, the spiritual man has the mind of Christ. And then he adds in the beginning of chapter 3, but I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual brethren, but as to carnal. To men of the flesh. The Corinthians were going through that conflict, and obviously it wasn't going so well. They were making the wrong choice, living by themselves. And when you come to verse 10, Paul starts speaking about a construction. He says that as a master builder, he has laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And then he adds, but each one is building upon it. You see the picture here, brothers and sisters. Our Christian life is compared with a building upon the, for the believer, right? It's being compared with building upon the foundation of Christ, the rock. And the contrast that Paul makes here is not so much of what you're being built, but what materials you use in that building. There are two classes of materials. That which is imperishable, gold, silver, Precious stones, valuable, precious, imperishable. There is another class of materials that if they go through fire, they turn into ashes in three seconds. It's the wood, the hay, and the, the, the straw. Each one of those two classes speaks of the two lives that we have. We can either build by the life of Christ in us or by the life of the self. Now, why is that so important? Because Paul speaks of a day, a specific day. He says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is being revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. What is the day that Paul is referring here to? It's the coming of our Lord Jesus. When we stand before him, before his beam, I'm talking to believers. This is not for unbelievers. If you're a believer, heaven is guaranteed. But we're still going to stand before our Lord and he's going to judge us. What did you do with the life? That I gave Did you live by my life? That is the criteria. That's it. That's to say, did have you built with gold, silver, precious stones. Now, brothers and sisters, this is of tremendous consequence. 
所以弟兄姊妹们，这就会有一个极大的后果。And you see, Paul is very clearly not talking about eternal salvation here.我们看到保罗这里非常的清楚，他并不是讲到我们的得救或成沦。How do we know that?我们如何知道呢？Listen again to verse fourteen and fifteen. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, meaning it went through the fire and it was built with gold, silver, precious stone, go through the fire, it remains, it stands. 就十四节，在那根基上所建造的工程若存得住，就是如果你用今年宝石建造建造，这工程就能够经过火。That person will receive a reward.他就要得赏赐。But listen to verse 15. If any man's work is burned up, meaning you have built with the wrong material, with the wrong life, wood, hay, straw. 但十五节，人的工程若被烧了，就是那草木和节。what will happen to that person? Listen to what Paul says. He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Do you see that? It's not a matter of that you're going to lose your salvation. No, you'll be saved, but there will be something terrible that will be lost. Now listen how Paul wraps up this whole section in verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Oh, we are back to Messiah. The Spirit of God was given to you and to me. Are we living by the Holy Spirit? Are we living by His life in us? Are we building with gold, silver, precious stones? May the Lord be merciful to us. Lord, we pray that You would speak to each one of us. Even if we know these things, we pray that once again Your Spirit would make them life in us. Oh, how can we thank you enough you have given us your very life, Lord Jesus. The life of Messiah, the life of the Anointed One, of the Man of the Spirit. Help us, Lord, to live by that life. To deny everything that comes from natural life so that that life may be fully expressed. We need your grace, Lord. We ask for it. And we thank you, Lord, because you are a gracious, merciful Lord. Enable us to follow you, we pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.